What's up, everyone? Happy Football Friday. I know uh, everyone around here has been drinking since like 9 a.m., so I, lear I learned of this Saint whatever it is day that the undergrads do at Marquette. I was walking by Murphy's Irish Pub this morning, going to class, and this is it's nine forty-five a.m. and the place is packed. I'm like, what is going on? It's a Friday morning. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyways, we got the combine going on right now. I am watching it on my phone, watching the DBs do some on-field drills, and uh, had the. D-line and linebackers work out last night. I got to watch the D-line, not the linebackers. I was out. Um, but, yeah, I got some NFL news to go through, and then uh, we're just going to talk about XFL Week 3. It's moving along very fast, way too fast right now. I don't like how, how fast time is going. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, In the draft, you know it. I know, right? I mean, we're... We're starting our mock draft series on March 30th, so um, should be a good time. Anyways, a uh, couple college football notes here. Um, former TCU head coach and Texas assistant Gary Patterson stepping away uh, from his role as a special assistant under Steve Sarkeesian there at Texas. Not sure health related or what but uh yeah just wanted to note that gary will no longer be texas this year anyways um coaching so uh and kind of big news the big 12 contacting arizona arizona state colorado and utah about possibly joining the conference sometime in the future um I mean, the if they do, the Pac-12 is just null and void, then um, there's no I mean, unless we just keep adding teams from FCS, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, the the Pac-12 has been kind of just kind of waiting it out. Um They've been kind of silent on a lot of this. They seem to be kind of um, just willing to let things play out. Um, but this might force their hand. Um, at the same time, though, I saw uh, um, a proposition for the Pac-12 and the ACC to join, um, which, if this were to happen, um, might be the only avenue for both of those conferences. Um <clears throat> Even though it makes zero sense geographically, um, geography is becoming less and less of a factor. No. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's such an interesting. I love co talking about conference realignment stuff and, and different as aspects of that. So uh, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, I I did hear about Florida State having issues apparently wanting out of the ACC because they can make a lot more money elsewhere, which everybody can if you go to the SEC uh, or the Big Ten. But, uh, yeah, I think Colorado is going to become a commodity. If they don't agree to join the Big 12, I think everyone is going to want a piece of Colorado soon with Dion uh -huh. there, especially after the first season, which I think I – think they will do a lot better than what a lot of other people think. A lot of other people, at least what I've heard anyways, is that they don't think Dion's impact in year one is going to be as great as it was at Jackson State. But I I do. <laughs> I think it's going to be very impactful. Yeah. I mean, no other team, um, I think apart from like ASU, has really added as much talent <clears throat> than uh, – the Buffaloes have. So I think they'll be competitive. I think they'll be a competitive team uh, and be able to compete in pretty much <clears throat> any game they face uh, this year. Yeah. I think bowl berth and then ceiling of, of seven or even eight wins this year uh -huh. for Colorado. I mean, I didn't look at the schedule, but anyways. Yeah. Uh, NFL-wise, 
We were uh, saddened yesterday to hear the passing of former Panthers owner and founder of the Panthers, uh, Jerry Richardson, uh, passing away at age 86 yesterday. Was a, wasn't a good exit from his ownership with the, the Panthers, but still very revered in the Carolinas and, uh, again, bringing that team to to Charlotte there and giving giving Ron Rivera his first uh, coaching opportunity which I know he was very appreciative of when he uh, was interviewed on the combine coverage NFL Network yesterday so yeah how about the Cardinals uh, Ian Rappaport reported yesterday talking about the Bears trading one which everyone's been talking about since the season ended but now we're hearing that the Cardinals could be open to trading three, which could possibly set up a, a one-two-three quarterback scenario, which we have only had, I think, twice in NFL history. So that's interesting. Yeah. One very recently, though, so maybe that's a, that's a trend to look out for. Yeah, the the Cardinals, I would just think, you know, like they would want to get their number one guy, whether that be Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it's definitely interesting. One of the aspects that I love about Combine Week <clears throat> is that this is really when the the smoke really starts just really bubbling up because you get all those important people in one city (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, with the media as well all there um, stuff starts coming out um, and I think next week will be really interesting as the media kind of takes the weekend to to gather their stories I think you're going to hear a lot of breaking news next weekend Um, But yeah, this is an interesting one, kind of for the reasons you said. I don't know if I agree with it, Um, especially because, like, I mean, they need pass rushers. They just do. Um, They need D-linemen. So whoever you think can do that better out of of Carter and um, Anderson, um, I I think you stay there and do it. But at the same time, you know, analytical wisdom tells you that you're likely able to get more value if you trade down and pick mm-hmm. up some extra picks. Um, so, you know, um, it, it, it's all relative. It all depends on what you can get back. So I think it's it's prudent that, that they keep the lines op- open, obviously. Let teams know that they, they are open to hearing uh, about it because, I mean, hey, if a team gets desperate enough um, – you know, you, you can take advantage of that. Other teams have done that in the past, so. Yeah, and, you know, it, it'd be interesting if that scenario came to play because you would think that would have to happen after the Bears had already traded out of one, um, possibly multiple times, like I've been hearing, where they, you know, trade to two with the Texans and then trade to four, seven, or nine with the, the Colts, Raiders, and Panthers. Um, and then who wants that third quarterback, you know. But, yeah. Um, Monty Austinfort got some decisions to make out there in the desert on uh, his new role there as GM. Ingrained in Combine Week is also franchise tag uh window which closes next wednesday wednesday right tuesday next tuesday march 7th at 4 p.m eastern so we got duran Payne tagged he was the first one with washington we have a second guy tag now uh the jags have tagged tight end evan ingram 11.345 million for that Num, uh, for that tag here. And yeah, I, I mean, resurgent season in Jacksonville was really uh, 
a key piece to their offense going down the stretch there, making the playoffs, and definitely one of the key contributors in that 27-point comeback in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, you look at that number on paper and that hit, I mean, it feels a little a little harsh. Um, but, I mean, when you think about it, this is exactly what the franchise tag is for. You have a guy coming off of a career year, but it's only one year um, with you guys um, in your offense, um, but he was a huge part of what you were able to do, um, and you want to keep some consistency there, but you're not sure if he's worth the long-term deal yet. Um, you tag him. Uh, you see um, you know, if he's able to keep that level up, and then you maybe work towards an extension off of that franchise tag. So, yeah, I think a good decision. Um, I'm excited to see Ingram still in that offense because I think it's what's best for for both parties. Yeah, and uh, to go off that, I think fans a lot of times wonder. You know, every team has a franchise tag. Well, why don't why doesn't every team use it? And it's mm-hmm. because the money. You know, it's mm-hmm. the money is a big issue with franchise tag because it's a one year deal fully guaranteed so that entire amount of money is the cap hit and so it's tough to take big hits like that um especially if you have uh if you're already on a a team that has uh a quarterback on his second deal second or third year second or third deal they're making a big number uh and of course other guys as well um, so yeah, that's why for those that don't uh, don't know, that's why not every team uses the tag every year. <laughs> um, also expected to use the tag if a deal's not worked out is uh, the Raiders with uh, running back Josh Jacobs. I don't have that number yet because they haven't tagged him yet. There, that's going to be a tag deadline day transaction there. Um, but yeah, Josh Jacobs will be staying in Vegas, whether that's on the tag or a long-term deal, if they can get something worked out by next week. That one's interesting. Running backs getting tagged are always. Yeah. You know, I don't know how to feel about that. And I'm even kind of on the side of where, you know, if you can get a guy who's pretty dynamic, um, it's kind of worth it. You know, I've been a big defender of the Aaron Jones contract, um, a lot, even though a lot of Packers fans haven't, um, because he's more than just a running back. Um, he's incredibly efficient. He's a plus in the passing game. Um, but I think, I don't know if it makes sense for the Raiders and where they're at, um, unless they are still planning to maybe make a push for a Rodgers uh, or another vet quarterback. Um you know, I just I feel like <clears throat> it's better to try and save some money, um, put some money towards maybe a little bit more valuable positions and try to hit some on some guys in the mid rounds. Um, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Josh Jacobs is also I don't, he was getting run out of Vegas last year uh, in in the preseason and then he had a career year and. Gonna make some more money. Uh, I was just kind of chuckling because Mike McDaniel is is in the booth right now, and um, <laughs> it's like he he walked right off the set of Top Gun. Uh, I mean, <laughs> because he's got he's got the brown leather jacket with jeans. Oh <laughs> That's amazing, dude. I love Mike oh McDaniel, God. man. He's a he's such a great football personality. It's so great to have him in the league. This, just being his goofy self it's amazing yeah it, it's crazy and and it's a good it's a good uh day to have him on the dolphins need uh safety they need some safety help and secondary overall so he'll be watching intently with all those guys doing the on field uh combine we let's move into the combine news so a couple more guys not going to work out uh, or one that will, actually. Ohio State's wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, didn't play barely at all this year with uh, the injuries, but he will do everything. Um, I believe wide receivers are the last day 
um, on Sunday. I think. I don't remember. Anyways, uh, but he will do everything except the 40. So kind of makes sense. He was a hamstring guy, right? That was his issue. Yeah. I couldn't remember. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of tough to explain away based on an injury if you're doing all the other, <clears throat> you know, workouts. Because, I mean, you could you could hurt your hammy doing the, the long jump or something like that, the broad jump. Um, or no, t- <clears throat> tomorrow. Tomorrow, QBs, wide receivers, tight ends are all tomorrow. Okay. Nice. But, yeah, I mean... A lot has been made about JSM's long speed. Um, that might be why he maybe has his agent telling him, hey, look, uh, you know, it can only hurt you really if you don't expect to um, exceed expectations. Because mm-hmm. even if he runs like a 4-6, which some people speculated could be possible, then it's just going to end up confirming everybody's priors um and if you run higher than that you can only hurt yourself so i mean look from a from a logistical tactical standpoint i think probably best for him uh you know you'd like to see maybe you know a guy you know just do the whole thing um but yeah i mean like you said it could still be the hammy too um we've seen you know some guys pull that uh on the 40 uh, mm-hmm. and maybe kind of hinders the rest of their process so yeah yeah I, I mean i think it's fine you're always going to get a better time at your pro day anyways mm-hmm. uh with the hand times so mm-hmm. that's also something that probably took into account with that um but yeah even if he doesn't have the the deep speed you know I, I don't take it depends what kind of what kind of receiver he is yeah possession guy you don't need that uh-huh. super fast time so anyways uh guy that won't be working out tomorrow Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid uh, has a back injury so he will not do anything other than the measurements physical interviews um, which kind of sucks because. As far as I know, all the other guys will be working out. Michael Mayer, uh, Darnell Washington, and co. The other top tight ends, Luke Musgrave. So, you know, Kincaid's going to lose a little bit of ground to those guys when there's not a clear number one tight end right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. And I think people expected him um, to test pretty well um, just with what he's able to do in the receiving game. Um, his body control uh, in game is pretty insane. How he's able to make catches and adjust, so that usually kind of tells you that this guy's pretty athletic. If at that size, he's able to move the way he can. So you wonder if some teams are just like, "Look, we'd love to have the numbers in front of us. Hopefully, we get them at a pro day." Um, but the athleticism's on tape. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're drafting a guy like Kincaid, you kind of know what you're getting in in him, kind of a, that pure receiving tight end guy. Um, so, yeah, I don't, know. I don't know if it will affect his draft stock too much, but I think it's a good point you make in that there is – the tight end class is really good, but I think it's also the most wide range of people saying, you know, mm-hmm. who's number one, who's number two. You look at – people's different tight end rankings and they're so vastly like different um so yeah i think it's the same as the receivers the receivers i don't Mm -hmm. i haven't seen a consensus number one either but um i I think at the worst if he isn't able to work out here and at his pro day i mean i think at the worst he you know he's gonna get go in the second round still yeah based off what his tape looks like and production at utah so, all right, day one winners. Yesterday, we had the D-line and linebackers working out. Um, my first guy, 
I am I'm going to the Big Ten. And a guy that <laughs> our our friend Colin Schultz, who's an Iowa Hawkeye alum, um said, you know, he doesn't understand why this guy has been getting all the hype he has. But I, I am gonna go with Lucas Van Ness for my first guy. Um first winner from yesterday moved very well in the positional drills four five eight forty uh one six four ten which i i love having daniel jeremiah on there he uh every time we go for the 40s he was saying you know what the 10 limit is there so i think for d line he was saying one seven two for for the edge rushers um, on the 10-yard split there. So got way under that. It was okay in the vert, 31. Um, not the greatest, but not terrible either. Uh, and then 9-10 broad, again, a little bit under. I would like to see a lot of guys do 10 if they can, but a couple inches under that. And... The only issue I had was bench, not good. 17 reps on that, um, so definitely needs to to hit the, the weight room a little bit more. But like I said, yeah. on field, he looked really good. Bench is one of those two where it's difficult because you kind of have to <clears throat> adjust, like, the arm length, factor in the arm length, too. Um, so it's, it's weird for D-line because it's kind of a trade-off because – you want that that strength, obviously. You want you know, but you also want the the long guy who can keep the uh, the old lineman's paws uh, off you. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, Van Ness is a guy who um, Packers fans who pay attention to the draft um, have started to become aware of and it's probably going to stay that way. Cause this is a, this is a Brian Gutenkutz, just <laughs> absolute big. Like it just, it just is, you know, just big dude with athletic tools. He's raw. Um, but on tape, he's powerful. Um, he can bull rush you. I mean, it's, I think Rashawn Gary tested, you know, kind of much more athletically across the board but it is a very Rashawn Gary esque um, pick in um, Van Ness. So, yeah, I, I'm very intrigued with with him. I forgot to mention his uh, numbers there: six five, two seventy two. Uh-huh. So, uh, good size. Uh, Thirty four inch arms, fantastic. Eleven inch hands, massive, massive hands for him. Mm-hmm. Um, the next guy I had, I had not really known too much about him until yesterday when I watched him work out, but how about Adotumiwa Adebaware, Northwestern edge rusher, 6'2", 282, uh, similar to Van Ness here, 33 and 7 eighths arms, 10 and a half inch hands, and... Four four nine forty at two hundred eighty two pounds is just ridiculous. That's absurd, man. One six one uh ten. Very good vert. Thirty seven and a half, ten and a half broad, uh, and then twenty seven bench. Fantastic. That's crazy. He he lit it up yesterday and he's one of those guys, you know, we have guys every year. You come to the combine and you work out, and you just shoot up the board. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a guy that I have heard of, you know, kind of kept an eye on. I think the consensus on him is is a day two pick. I think some people have him in the second or the third. Um, but that's definitely – I mean, that those are eye-popping numbers. That kind of combination of athleticism and size <clears> – <throat> is so rare. Like that just doesn't come along often. So he made himself some money. 
Um, the big question with him is obviously he's kind of a tweener because mm-hmm. he's a, just a little bit bigger. And if you look at his body type, he, you can tell that he's kind of a tweener. He's, he's a little bit bigger to be a stand-up edge. Um, he's a little too small to be inside. But um, as I think I've said before on the pod, when you're athletic, it can help you either stay a tweener or cut some weight, add some weight, and still be effective at whatever position your team wants you to play at. Um, so I don't think it should be that big of a factor for teams um, looking to draft him. Um, I think you just bet on the athleticism. And next guy, how about we go to my alma mater, Georgia. Nolan Smith was a monster yesterday. Uh, I was so excited to see him back after the torn peck last year limited him to, I think it was uh, five games. But 6'2", 238, 32-and-5-inch arms. Kind of small for hand, uh, 9-inch hands there. But, I mean, the numbers were ridiculous. 4'3", 9, top D-line, uh... And linebacker, I believe. Actually, no, I think uh, or I think he tied Owen Popo there from Auburn, which I was just shocked that Owen Popo ran a four three nine as well. Uh, but anyways, one five two, ten yard, which is crazy. How about how about a forty one and a half inch vert? I saw that. I was like, he levitated. And you can tell in that video, it's fantastic. If you look at, I think it's a Bears rep and a Pats rep that are on either side. And the camera angle catches both of their like reactions. And they just look at the camera and they're like, like they could, like they couldn't believe, you know, it's just crazy. It's, it, it's fantastic. Um, and then 10, eight broad as well. He didn't do the bench um, for obvious reasons coming off the peck injury. Didn't want to, aggravate that any further uh but yeah i mean they were mentioning it on the combine uh coverage you know the georgia guys that come out every year they usually don't have the top of the line production because of the rotation that they have at georgia but yeah i mean nolan smith was already a star before last year didn't get the show in his uh senior year there the whole year because of the injury, but I'm excited for him. And I think he uh, made some money yesterday for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's so someone, <laughs> so, you know, the relative athletic score um, site where you can kind of put it in and, and, and get the grade. Somebody um, <clears throat> ran his numbers and what it would look like historically for a wide receiver. <laughs> And it graded as a 9.9 out of 10. <laughs> like, like you're just talking about just like an alien athlete. And that's, I think it more than makes up for the fact that, you know, the big talking point for him is he is undersized. He, mm-hmm. he is just traditionally for, um, for an edge rusher. But again, like I said with Kincaid, you draft Nolan Smith because you know what you're getting. You're getting that speed rusher who can bend the corner, who has that great get off. You mentioned his 10 split. If you need a speed rusher, you need Nolan Smith, and you should be willing to take him at a premium position because, or at a premium selection because he's a rare athlete. So, very intrigued by him. Um, and yeah, I think I think you're right. I think he definitely definitely made some money. Does he compare to your former Packer there, Zadaria Smith? Any? I think I think he's a better tester than Zadarius was coming out. Actually, um, I've heard, uh, and I think Zadarius is a little bit more can do a little bit more inside outside <clears throat> type of stuff. But the comp that I've heard for Smith that I really like is Hassan Reddick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they match just that. the size comp, but also just their bend. Um, you know the, the way they're able to use their athleticism and their speed to win. Um, I, I think you know 
I think that's a good comp. All right, the next uh, D-line I had was uh, talking about undersized. Jose Ramirez, Eastern Michigan, uh, really undersized. 6'2", 242, uh, 32 and three-quarter arms, eight and three-quarter hands. Little, uh, little. That's what I'll leave it at there. (laughs) Didn't test very well uh four seven three on the 40 but his 10 yard was good one six three there 34 and a half vert not terrible nine ten broad that was the the same as van ness and then um 21 on the bench and very good three cones six nine five so change of direction good for jose ramirez but yeah, he's a guy that DJ was mentioning a lot yesterday as one of his favorite mid-round guys. And I agree. I watched a lot of Eastern Michigan games, uh, just the Maxion itself. And Jose Ramirez stood out a lot when you watched the the Eagles games there. So yeah, he's a flyer in the, in the mid-round. Fifth round, I think, is where Jose Ramirez is probably going to go. So... Is that a little too deep dive? <laughs> <laughs> I am I am somewhat familiar with uh, Jose Ramirez, um, but my only thought is, hey, he pans out. We're talking about D line U being Eastern Michigan between him and Max Crosby. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then uh, we're gonna stick with the the undersized um, portion here, if I can find him. Oh, because I'm on. Defensive ends. There we go. D tackles here. Pitt. Kalaja Kansi. 6'1, 281, 30 and 5'8 arms, 9 and 1 8 hands. I mean, 4, 6, 7. D tackle, 40 time, 1, 6, 4 split. He didn't do any other testing. I mean, they're just. Aaron Donald, that's, that's what everyone's been saying. I mean, I'd have to watch more film on him, but I can see why, based off the numbers. It feels like low-hanging fruit, right? Because it's like, like why? Because he went to Pitt? Because, like, you know, and he's, you know, kind of the size or whatever. But, like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of crazy. I... I saw a video of, you know, how they do like the the simulcast where they show multiple guys running the 40 and they did him and Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald ended up running a faster time, but up until like the last five yards, they Mm -hmm. were literally morphed into the same dude. Yeah. (laughs) Like literally they were step for step for each other. You couldn't distinguish who was, they were literally in the same. It was crazy. I do think that from what I've heard, he does have a little bit of that in his game. And you do need it, kind of, at his size. Um, like you said, he he played IDL, um, but he's kind of undersized for that. Um, but, I mean, he's got some really quick twitch in his game, um, some really good get-off, and I think that's just becoming more and more important um, in the league because teams realize that, like, the way these offenses are operated the ball's getting out so quick. So you need to collapse the pocket as fast as you can. Uh, and, and some of that requires um, a, a little bit of quick twitch. Um, maybe some lighter guys in the middle, but some guys who can um, generate some pressure with their speed. So I think there's definitely going to be a market for his services in the first. Um, it's just, you know, what team's going to take that risk Um because he's certainly not going to meet every team's thresholds for that position. Um, so yeah, yeah, I I have seen him mocked to the Eagles um, in a couple of different spots, but I mean it's whatever, it's fine. Pat Narduzzi coaches up good good defensive players. So last one I have going back to Iowa doing uh, Hawkeye bookends here. And 
I always there's every year there's a Big Ten linebacker that I fall in love with during the season, and then usually the guys that I like during the season end up being the same guys that I like when it comes to the combine and pro day season. And this guy Jack Campbell, out of Iowa, six five two forty nine. 31 7 eighths arms, 10 and a quarter hands. He was slow. He was the second slowest linebacker in terms of 40. 4 6 5. Uh, the 10 wasn't bad, though. 1 5 9. And that's what you saw throughout the rest of his testing. His short area quickness and change of direction was 99th percentile. He led every other category in testing. Um, in terms of those three cone, twenty yard, um, shuttle, and whatnot, but thirty seven and a half inch vert, so pretty good. Ten eight broad, that's fine. And like I said, three cone, f- six seven four, and twenty yard short shuttle four two four. Um. And yeah, like I said, he led everyone in. He was third in the vert for linebackers, second in the broad, first in the three cone, and I believe first in the 20 yard shuttle as well. So yeah, not a guy that has a lot of speed, but long speed, anyways. The short area burst is where you you find Jack Campbell, and he's not a coverage guy, but he's he's an old-school Iowa linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. This is a a throwback kind of player, dude. When I saw his, this was the last guy that we didn't touch on that I was going to mention, and I should have known that you were going to mention him (laughs) because this has been your your Big Ten dude. Um, Because I haven't looked a whole lot through the combine testing yet. I was figuring, I was like, you know what, I'll just let it all come in and then someday I'll I'll look at it. But from what I've seen on my feed and and things like that, I saw his measurements come in and I was like, Jesus, dude, he's he's literally a tank, like in the (laughs) middle of the field. Like if you want like a big tank who's going to reset alignment in the run game um, and just be able to come downhill um that's your dude and like there's still you know even though the trend has been towards these kind of lighter boxes and these you know uh these kind of hybrid dudes who more emphasis on speed at that position like i mean there's still market for that those services and i mean how many of those hybrid guys that we talk about have like panned out at like a true inside linebacker position. They just, they just really haven't. Right. So, and by hybrid, I mean more of, you know, Micah Parsons, one of one, but I mean more of your safety DB linebacker hybrid, Mm -hmm. not your DL linebacker hybrid. So I, even though he's kind of a throwback in terms of where the trend is, I think there's still going to be a huge market for his services. Um, especially because I, I think teams are going to get more wise to, even though it's becoming more of a passing league, some of the best offenses are incredibly efficient run- runners, mm-hmm. um, rushing attacks. So, um, yeah, I mean, put a tank in the middle of your defense and just let them go to work. Yeah, I mean, if you're the other three teams in the NFC East, I mean, you, you'd probably want – a guy like Jack Campbell yeah. <laughs> to be able to stop yeah. the Eagles running attack. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you just tell him, you just like, look, just pick one guy on the read options to hit. Right. And just, cause they're not going to want to do it again. <laughs> I, I just hope he continues to wear the neck roll in the NFL. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you gotta, but, and yeah. I hope he goes to a team like that. Like one of those NFC East or like the Patriots or something where you're just like, yeah, this is, this is what football was meant to be. <laughs> Could be the second coming of, of Teddy Bruschi there in New England. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's it for me. Did you have any other guys 
Um, I didn't. I, I'm pretty sure we hit everyone that that I can think of. Um, I'm trying to to think through. I mean, Will Anderson Jr. ran a four six yesterday. Um, I didn't. Again, I didn't. I wasn't able to watch the linebackers. Um, even though he was in that second um, defensive line category with the edge rushers there. But I didn't get to watch any of their on-field either. So, yeah. 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 I think Will Anderson is just, you know, he's like, he could test, like, <laughs> he could show up hungover probably and it wouldn't matter that much. Yeah. <laughs> um, it'd be like the difference between going third or fourth. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I- I'm trying to think. I think Brisset did better than I expected him to do, if I remember right. I think he ran better than, than I um, yeah, I was going to write down Brian Breesey, um, yeah. but I, I didn't. He he, yeah. he was okay, but he just, like, was right under my winner threshold of, of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I wouldn't necessarily say he was a winner, but I think he did better than I think expected, so I think you can chalk that up as a win for him, at least. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm excited for, for the rest of it to come out. Yeah, and I, I forgot to mention at the top where my – penguins hat today nhl trade deadline so it was okay penguins penguins are annoying but it's fine uh your packers making money here they converted 13.835 million of nose tackle kenny clark's 2023 compensation into a signing bonus 11.068 million in cap space saving up for something i don't know what they're saving up for but yeah you know it's funny a lot of packers fandom is trying to like read the tea leaves like what is this (laughs) what does this mean right and uh, there's a there's a misconception where it's like they're like oh they they're doing it they're doing it to bring him back like he's coming back like to bring him they actually have to clear more cap, I'm pretty sure, if they trade them because the hit is more. Mm-hmm. Um, so they need to clear more space. Um, but regardless, I don't think these restructures tell us much of anything with what's going to happen with Aaron because they needed to get under the cap anyways. They got under it last week by restructuring, I think it was Preston. It was Preston and Jair, I think. Mm-hmm. They, they got under this is now okay let's get some more breathing room like let's like they still need to be able to breathe a little bit um so i don't think you can read too much into it um i'd expect bakhtiari to be next probably in the next couple days um and yeah Uh, a couple other teams making space the bucks they are expected to release tight end cam brate um a lot of the releases are kind of like planned releases where they're not getting released right now. They're getting released at the start of free agency. So um, one guy that did get released, though, I believe today, uh, was center Justin Britt with the Texans. That saves them $3 million on the cap. Uh, Texans don't really need money necessarily right now i think they have some but um trading brandon cooks would also help them out on the cap but yeah justin Britt, uh pretty veteran center there nice move to get him into free agency early all right brother man i'm gonna hop off all right i'll see you next week you leave at the worst time the game previews man (laughs) sorry man all right, uh, XFL pick standings. Mark is seven and zero. Ridiculous, seven and zero here, and partly because I pick his picks. But anyways, three and zero last week. Logan Lone Wolf the Vipers, um, and he lost on that one. I Lone Wolf the Renegades. They lost to the Roughnecks by nine. So. Logan and I both two back now of Mark. We're five and two. Mark seven and oh. 
Speaking of those Vipers, they are, play the only matchup on Saturday. Um, tomorrow, the Sea Dragons at the Vipers, both 0-2, trying to notch their first wins um, for head coaches. Jim Hazlitt of Seattle, Rod Woodson of Vegas. Sea Dragons on the road. They are getting uh, three and a half points, and... We're all going with Seattle. I think Ben DiNucci in that offense has actually has played very well. Um, you know, they played a tough defense in D.C. And uh, St. Louis, I believe, was their other game. Yeah, last Thursday. So, Vipers have been a pretty decent defense as well. But I just don't think the Vipers' offense has what it takes to, to beat this Seattle um, team. And I actually, I like the Sea Dragons money line. I think I got it at 155, I think was what I got it at. So over-under is 38. I'm going to go with the under in this game. That's the highest total of the weekend. I like the under in this one 7 p.m fx and espn plus tomorrow sunday we have a triple header the st louis Battlehawks at the dc defenders this is the marquee matchup 2-0 versus 2-0 my defenders are two and a half point favorites at audi field mark the only lone wolf of the weekend um going with his st louis team here and, hey, the beer snake might be coming back to Audi Field. So, if it does, I mean, there, there's the sky's the limit for, for DC. <laughs> so, yeah, I think this is going to be a very good game, though. DC's defense has really helped them out both of their wins. And the transition to Derek King in the second half of both games uh, was really what won them both of those games. It's going to be interesting, though. Both these teams are second-half teams. So <laughs> which one is going to go into the second half with the lead, I think, will be determinative um, maybe of uh, the one that goes into the second half with a deficit might be the one that wins the game because of how prevalent these two teams are in second half so far this season. The total is 36 and a half. Uh, that one's a tweener there. I, I think I'm going to go with the over uh, or the under on that one again. I think the D.C. defense has been fantastic. They have allowed the uh, least amount of points, I think, um, in the league. So I'm going to go with the under 36.5 here. This one's 1 p.m. on FX and ESPN+. Plus. The middle game on Sunday, the 0-2 Guardians, Orlando Guardians at the 1-1 Arlington Renegades, taking their first loss last week in Houston. Uh, crazy big spread here, eight points for the Renegades. Um, Orlando has just looked terrible. They, they don't have an offense. Um, and I feel bad for head coach Terrell Buckley. He's a good dude. But... Um, the quarterback position just is not doing it. Paxton Lynch, DeAndre Francois, Quentin Dormady, who played in week one, um, they're just not getting it done. Even though they do have some skill position players, Eli Rogers at wide receiver, and Cody Latimer has really been a star at tight end for them. But their defense has given up a lot of points. The offense isn't scoring a lot of points, and that's a, a recipe to lose games. So... I'm going with the Renegades. I stayed away from this in my weekly XFL parlay um, because I didn't like the spread and I didn't really know what to think of for the total. So, and and the money line is outrageous to to put a money line in on on a minus eight favorite there. So, I'm gonna over under is thirty seven and a thirty seven, uh, I should say. And again, I I didn't really know for that so. What I would suggest for the total here is probably stick with the over just because, like I said, the Orlando defense has given up a lot of points. I believe 64 uh, 
maybe 64 over the the first two weeks definitely the worst defense in the league so yeah i'm gonna in terms of points scored anyways so i'm gonna go with the over 37 there 4 p.m fx and espn plus last game of the weekend it's the texas another texas showdown here the brahmas um, coming off their first win for Heinz Ward's crew last week at the Houston Roughnecks, 2-0. and Four-and-a-half-point favorites at home once again for Houston. We're all riding with uh, the Roughnecks here. And I do think this is going to be sort of like the game against Arlington last week for Houston. They're going to pull away at the end. And I, I think... San Antonio should should give them a decent game um, behind quarterback Jack Cohn, who played well last week, really well, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, and Brandon Silvers, it's going to be a good quarterback matchup. I think the defense for Houston really changes this game, though. Total is 36. I'm going with the over. I think Houston has scored a lot of points They're in their two games. 33 and 24 respectively i believe was their two point totals over the first two games so i like them to score at least what they scored last week in 24 and then you're looking to get you know 13 from the brahmas i think that's very doable um so yeah give me give me the roughnecks and the over 8 p.m. ESPN 2 and ESPN Plus. Prime time there. Next week, we'll be back talking XFL Week 4. We'll also... um, We won't be talking Combine because (laughs) we'll be talking the rest of the Combine on uh, Monday there. But uh, we'll have all the XFL game previews for XFL Week 4 along with all the college football and NFL news. We'll talk uh, franchise tag deadline and all the guys that got tags between tuesday uh between monday and friday there with the deadline falling on tuesday as always don't forget to follow us on all our social media at faa podcast on instagram and twitter faa underscore bets is our betting account on twitter and then faa podcast.com is our website you can check us out here on youtube facebook spotify and apple podcasts Thank you, and we will see you back on Monday.